The Bradford Exchange presents The Classic Radio Theater with your host, Carl Amari. Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Welcome, everyone, to episode 95 of the Classic Radio Theater. Each week, the Bradford Exchange and participating sponsors bring you three hours of the classic radio theater featuring programming from the golden age of radio. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts to never miss an episode. This time, we'll hear two half-hour mystery episodes of Suspense, starring Vincent Price and Glenn Ford. Stick around. We'll be right back. Offering high-tension drama and a stellar cast, Suspense was a landmark program from radio's golden age. For 20 years, the program offered tales well-calculated to keep you in suspense. With audience numbers in the millions, Suspense ranked as one of the most listened-to dramas on the air from 1942 until 1962. Known as radio's outstanding theater of thrills, it focused on suspenseful stories starring the biggest names in Hollywood. Actors jumped at the chance to appear on Suspense, including Cary Grant, James Stewart, Alan Ladd, Henry Fonda, Humphrey Bogart, Betty Davis, and Orson Welles. Oftentimes, celebrities were cast against type, including Jack Benny, who played a Martian, and Frank Sinatra, who played a psychopathic killer. Scripts were by John Dixon Carr, Lucille Fletcher, James Poe, Ray Bradbury, and many others. Running more than 20 years, Suspense aired nearly 1,000 radio broadcasts. It made the transition to television in 1949, but it was much better suited for radio, where the theater of the mind could run free. Time now for the first of two mystery episodes of Suspense. Vincent Price stars as a slightly mad painter who finds himself protecting a murderer. Here's The Name of the Beast on Suspense from April 11th, 1946. Now, Roma Wines, R-O-M-A, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Roma Wines present... Suspense! Tonight, Roma Wines bring you Mr. Vincent Price as star of The Name of the Beast. A suspense play produced, edited, and directed for Roma Wines by William Spear. Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills, is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness and entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now a glass full would be very pleasant, as Roma Wines bring you Vincent Price in a remarkable tale of... Suspense! News and views in the world of art. 
Yesterday at the Deauville Galleries, a record-breaking crowd attended one of the most sensational exhibitions of recent years. Masterpiece of the show is a portrait by James Dorrance titled The Name of the Beast. It's a savagely candid work, a face from which violence has shattered the last vestige of humanity. The tragic circumstances of the artist's death are too well known to review here. But at the same time, one cannot help speculating upon the essential mystery surrounding this remarkable canvas. What is the name of the beast? The name of the beast was Krebs, Elmer Krebs. I found him in an evil waterfront dive, took him to my studio and made the first sketch for the portrait that night. I gave him money and he promised to return the next day. When he didn't show up, I went in search of him. He wasn't hard to trace. My search came to an end in a squalid room of a waterfront hotel. Come in. He didn't look up when I entered the room, but continued to sit there on the sagging, dingy bedstead, holding his head in his hands and gently moaning. I crossed the room and raised the blind to let in the daylight. Then I saw it. Blood. On his hands, on his shirt front, in his hair and beard, a horrible, sticky mass of blood. You didn't show up for our appointment today. I'm the painter you met last night, remember? You were going to sit for a portrait. What do you want? You want your money back? Certainly not. I want to finish my painting. I want you to come back to the studio. You must be crazy. Look here, it's very important for me to finish that painting. I'll make it worth your while. Money? I don't need money. Not anymore. Well, maybe I can help you in some other way. You're in some kind of trouble, that's obvious. What business is that of yours? You better wake up and pull yourself together. We'll have to get rid of those clothes some way or other. And well, I'll think of some way. What happened? I told you it's none of your business. Why don't you leave me alone? I'm sick. All that blood. The first thing we must do is clean up this mess here. And get those clothes off. And the shoes, too. I'll make a parcel out of them and dump them in the river after dark. You'd better shave off that beard, too. They'll be looking for a man with a beard, you know. Who will? By the police, of course. What makes you so sure of that? I know more about you than you think I do. You're bluffing. Maybe, maybe not. But you're in no position to take chances. For all you know, I might be a witness. I might have seen you kill... Shut up! Temper, temper. I told you I'm sick. I'm liable to do anything. It wouldn't be smart for you to do anything to me, Elmer. I'm your only hope, you know that, don't you? You lost your head. You were clumsy. To get away with murder, you need a clear head. Look at the mistakes you've made already. Blood all over you. As good as a rope around your neck. Where did you hide the loot? So that's what you're after. Then it was robbery. Somewhere close by, too. You couldn't have gone far with all that blood on you without attracting attention. Well? It was in a shop, I imagine. That means they probably won't find the body till Monday What's morning. What's all this third degree? You with the police? On the contrary, Alma. I'm going to save you from the police. Huh? I told you. I want to finish painting that portrait of you. It don't make sense. All this just to paint some crazy picture. Ah, but what a picture, Elmer. I've waited 20 years to paint this picture. Everything I've ever painted has been merely the preparation for this. I've worked alone, never exhibited a single canvas... Do you know what it is to work alone? Yeah, I know. 
Nobody knows your name, but one day, quite suddenly, a masterpiece explodes in the face of a jaded world. Like your murder, Elmer. After a life of petty crime, at last an act of yours really means something. Newspapers will headline it. The whole world will be clamoring to know your name. Exciting, isn't it? Exciting? Well, that's the way I feel about this portrait. I How must finish I... the job just How as you How do I know finish... you won't take those clothes to the cops instead of dumping them? I'm taking a terrible chance walking out of here with a bundle of blood-stained clothes, as it is. They'd fit me about as well as they fit you. Okay, that's fair enough. By the way, where... where did it happen? A hawk shop. Number 23, next to the alley. Was it necessary The old to... man came in and started firing a revolver right off. I don't pack no rod. There's nothing else to do. They grabbed the fire axe off the wall. Oh, my. And I suppose the police have your fingerprints on file? Yeah, I'd done time once. What did you do with the axe? Just dropped it there. I was sick, all that blood. I suppose you left nice red fingerprints all over the place. I didn't touch nothing. Maybe the windowsill going out. That's the first place they'll look. And you're obviously in no condition to go back what there now. What are you now. trying to do? Buy yourself a nice murder rap? My dear fellow, any intelligent man can get away with murder if he keeps his wits about him. You ought to be very grateful to me, Elmer. I'm going to take your clumsy crime and make it into a work of art. For suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you as star Vincent Price in The Name of the Beast by Robert Tallman. Roma Wines' presentation tonight in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Between the acts of suspense, this is Truman Bradley for Roma Wines. Yesterday, a happily married friend told me one of his favorite formulas for enjoying life. He said he never eats dinner while still burdened with the pressures of a busy day. Instead, he sits down for a few minutes, takes it easy, chats with his wife, and enjoys with her a glass or two of Roma California Sherry, the perfect first call to dinner. Yes, Roma sherry before dinner is a pleasant custom millions now share with family and friends. For Roma sherry is a glorious golden amber wine, soft and mellow on the tongue, so inviting with its pleasing nut-like taste. Roma sherry makes mealtime more welcome, helps you anticipate the good food to come. And when friends drop in, there's no more gracious greeting than a glass of Roma sherry. Tomorrow night, before dinner, share Roma Sherry with your family. It costs no more to serve Roma, America's favorite wine. So insist on Roma, R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Remember, more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wine. And now Roma Wines bring back to our Hollywood soundstage Vincent Price as James Dolance with Elliot Lewis as Krebs. In the name of the beast, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. The shoes of the beast were just my size. I wore them when I went on my errand that night. It was fortunate I did. Getting into the place was simple. It was an old-fashioned lock, and the skeleton key to my studio fitted it perfectly. The shop bell jangled when I opened the door. 
I made my way quickly along the dark rows of counters to the rear of the shop. A pair of dusty portiers provided it from the back room. I pulled them to behind me and snapped on my flashlight. The body, or what was left of it, lay in a heap in the center of the room. The floor, well, it was lucky I hadn't worn my own shoes. There would be tracks out of that place, red tracks. The axe lay near the old man's head. I picked up the axe and carried it over to the sink. I washed off what I could and smeared out the prints with the cotton gloves on my hands. Then I made a quick circuit of the room, taking in every surface. With the wet gloves, I smeared the prints on the safe handle, the windowsill, and the jimmy the murderer had so stupidly left behind him. Then I dropped the cotton gloves on the floor and left them there. No way to trace a pair of cheap cotton gloves. Now there was only one last thing to do. Walk around the block to dry the soles of those shoes and burn them in the stove when I got back to my studio. The handiwork of the beast would remain, but the name of the beast had been expunged. But I didn't burn the shoes, nor did I throw that bundle of clothing into the river as I had first planned to do that night. No, no. This would be an authentic portrait of a murderer in the very blood-stained garments of his crime. That will be all for today, Elmer. How much longer does this go on? Until the painting is finished. You can't set a time limit on the completion of a masterpiece, you know. Don't look much like me. You've forgotten. I made the first sketch before you shaved off your beard. I don't like this picture. Did you have to paint in all that blood? My dear fellow, no one in the world would ever recognize you as the man with the beard in this picture. I don't painting. like this picture. I don't like staying here. Look, what about that stuff? When can I start cashing in on it? I should have thought I was paying you enough to live on. Suppose I want to get married. Well, that... What? Oh, good Lord, man. You mustn't even consider it. In the first place, I can't afford to support another person. And Who's in the asking second you place, to I... support anybody? I got that stuff, haven't I? Well, I'm going to cash it in, that's all. Listen to me, Elmer. If you try to unload as much as one piece of that loot, the police will be on your tail so fast. Oh, no, my friend. That stuff has got to stay where it is for some time to come. You just say that so I'll have to depend on you. So you can paint that lousy picture. Maybe. Oh, by the way, Elmer... I've never said anything about it before, but you never told me exactly what you did do with the loot. It's a suitcase, I told you. Yes, I know, in a locker at Grand Central, but where's the ticket? <laughs> That's one secret I'm keeping. Well, all right. But you will promise me not to unload those jewels, not for a while She keeps yet. asking me, when are we going to get married? What am I going to tell her? Oh, by the way, who is the lucky lady? Jeannie. Her name's Jeannie Baker. Hey. Wait a minute, though. She don't know anything about me. Not anything. If I ever catch you talking to her. So help me, I'll kill you. You say you're a friend of Elmer's? Well, not a friend, exactly. I'm afraid this will be rather a shock to you. You're very close to Mr. Krebs. Well, we're engaged to be married. What is it? Is he in some kind of trouble? Are you a detective? Well, not exactly. You see, I represent the insurance company. What insurance company? State indemnity. 
Our policyholder doesn't want to prosecute, but at the same prosecute? time... Prosecute? Well, after all, the jewels were of considerable value. What jewels? Why, the jewels in the suitcase, in the locker at Grand Central. He did leave the ticket with you, didn't he? Oh, well, yes, but, but I mean, he didn't tell me that... Well, he did say it was valuable and he didn't want to risk losing the ticket, but... How did you know about it? My dear Miss Baker, we insurance investigators have ways of finding out these things. Now then, if you're a sensible young woman, and I can see that you're not only a sensible young woman, but a very beautiful one as well. Mr. Dorrance, what has he done? Well, I don't think he regarded it as a theft exactly, more of a loan in all probability. After all, his aunt was a very old lady and... You mean he stole this jewelry from his aunt? Well, I wanted to spare you those exact words if I could. Actually, the lady would prefer not to prosecute. But of course, if we can secure the return of the property in no other way... I suppose I'd be arrested too, as, as an accessory or something. I must say it was rather thoughtless of him to have involved you in this manner. How do I know you're what you say you are? I have credentials, of course. But I would rather take care of this unofficially, especially since this little talk with you. You're much too fine a person to be involved in a sordid affair like this. I don't even know that suitcase has any jewels in it. Then supposing we go there together and get it, Jeannie? Let's have a look. How, how are we going to... Well, I, I think I have a key here that'll open it. There. <gasps> what? Those must be worth a fortune. Yes, they are, Miss Baker. You understand our concern? Yes. Close it up. I, I don't want to look at it anymore. I'd like to have spared you this. You understand, of course, that I wouldn't dream of prosecuting... Not now that I've met you. I don't know how to thank you, Mr. Dorrance. This... This is such a shock to me. How could he? How could he? There, there. You're not the first innocent girl to be deceived by an unscrupulous fellow like that. How did you happen to become involved with him in the first place? Oh, I, I was lonely. I, I have no friends here, and he came into the cafe where I wait to... Oh, there, there now. You won't let anything happen to me. I promise you, I'll do anything to keep you from knowing another moment's unhappiness. That night I worked feverishly, like a man possessed. But as I worked, an uncanny change came over the man in the portrait. There was something about it, something that terrified and at the same time fascinated me. Yet the more I tried to make it come right, the less it really looked like Krebs. I began to regret I had had him shave his beard, in spite of the risk involved. Being clean-shaven altered a man's appearance more than I thought. But that wasn't the real difficulty. The real trouble was Jeannie Baker. How could she ever have loved a beast like Krebs? A girl so gentle, so lovely. I tried not to think of her. But the image of Jeannie stood between me and the canvas. And the painting just would not come right. And as Krebs sat there sullenly posing for me, his eyes began to grow more and more cunning and suspicious, as though he could actually read my thoughts. He would jump up every time I laid down my brush and circle the portrait like an infuriated animal, until finally, around four in the morning, he dropped off to snoring. 
I let him stay there. In the dawn light, I looked at the picture for the last time and draped the easel to shut it out of my sight. My masterpiece, for which I had become accessory after the fact of one murder and, and sowed the seeds of a second, was, I knew it now, deep in my heart, a failure. I was obsessed now with only one resolve, to prevent the second murder, which by some instinct I knew was in Krebs's mind. At whatever cost to myself, no harm must come to Jeannie. <laughs> I've been told that artists are full of romantic notions, and the Bureau has dealt with a number of them in this neighborhood, as you can well imagine. But I must say that of all the pipe dreams that have been brought to me, yours is the most fantastic. Oh, but listen, Inspector, you've got to believe me. That girl's life is in danger. Yeah, we're checking on that. Now, let's check on a few other things, Mr. Dorrance. You say that on the night of the 12th, you met this man Krebs at a place called Louis. Yes, sir. And afterwards, you went with him to your studio and made a sketch of him for a portrait. All right, so far, so good. He promised to return the following day and sit again for the painting. Well, he failed to show up, so you sought him out at his hotel. <laughs> now the story really becomes incredible. He tells you he's committed a ghastly murder. He's covered in blood. You offer to help him get away with the murder in order to finish the portrait. Oh, now really, Mr. Dorrance. You painters need publicity as bad as all that. But, Inspector, I tell you, I have all the evidence. Where? At my studio. Where's this man Krebs? Except for the portrait you say you painted of him, I can't find a shred of evidence that he exists. Now, oh, just a minute. Yes, Sergeant? They've picked up the girl. Good. Send her in. Oh, she'll tell you. She'll tell you who Krebs is. Oh, come in, Miss Baker. We won't detain you long. Miss Baker, do you know this man? I say, do you know this man? It's all right, my dear. Speak up. Yes. His name is Elmer Krebs. A few minutes later, they let me go, dismissing me as a harmless crackpot. Jeannie walked out of the station with me, clinging to my arm with solicitude, as one might act towards a beloved and mentally ill relative. Why did you do it? Elmer came to my apartment last night. He told me the whole story. But then why... He was boasting, boasting about how he's pinned the crime on you. Don't you see? Everything you've done to save him has incriminated you, the bloodstained clothes, even the, the loot. Oh, I'm tired. I don't know. Oh, listen to me. He'll always be a threat to us, to our happiness. He's safe. The police don't even know he exists. They don't even know what he looks like. There's still the portrait. It's not a masterpiece, but they can identify him from it. I see. <laughs> Darling, you, you didn't mind my rechristening you? You once loved a man named Krebs. And I still love a man named Krebs. And it's all right. For that, I'd do anything. Put this in your overcoat pocket. It'll keep you safe, darling. What? Oh, no, no, I... It'll keep you safe, darling. He was there in my studio when I got in that evening, waiting for me. I had more or less expected it. I hadn't expected to find him in such a cheerful frame of mind. He had pulled the drape off of the painting and was walking round it, viewing it from every angle. Hi, Dorrance. How did you get in here? Through the door. No more window jobs for me, Dorrance. Yeah, the picture. How about that? Got a new model, huh? What? The picture? Oh, it's no good. 
By the way, it's finished now. You won't need to come here anymore. Yes, say. I'll get you the suitcase. I suppose it'll be safe for you to cash that stuff. I already found time. the suitcase, Darns. Oh, well, take it along with you then. It's over there on the table. I opened it up. Well, did you think I'd take it without checking on the contents? What are you talking What'd about? What'd you do with the rocks, Darns? Rocks. You took the rocks, the jewelry. There's nothing left there but the settings, a pile of junk. Listen, Krebs. I swear I never opened that suitcase but once, just after we took it out of the we... locker. She's in it with you. Listen, Krebs, you can think whatever you want to about me, but keep Jeannie out of it. I keep Jeannie out of it? That's a laugh. I mean what I say. Krebs, where are you going? Oh, her place. If she has those rocks, I'm going to get her. Krebs, come back here. I've got a job to do. Krebs, if you go out of that door, I warn you. All right. I dragged his body inside the door and left it there. Then I dropped the revolver Jeannie had given me back in my overcoat pocket and left my studio. For the last time, as I closed the door on the room, it seemed that the face in the portrait was grinning at me in hideous mockery. I had meant to go straight to the police and give myself up, but I must have known in my heart that I wouldn't. Instead, I walked, and my feet took me almost against my will, to the house on Grove Street, the house where Jeannie lived. I had roused her from sleep, and she seemed rather cross. What's the big idea, barging in here this time of night? I had to see you, Jeannie. Well? That was an unlucky name you gave me, Jeannie. What's happened? I shot him. You gave me a murderer's name, and now I am a murderer. So you really did it. I wondered if you'd have the guts. Jeannie! Oh, what do you want me to do, put on black and cry myself to death? You loved him once. Who said so? You were going to marry him. Maybe. I thought he was smart once. I said I'd marry him if he pulled a really big job. I might have kept my word, but he bungled it. What's worse, he involved me when I found out he'd planted that stuff on me. You knew. You knew all the time. Oh, so what? So what? You'll get your cut. Oh, Krebs was right. You did take those stones, and I killed a man for you. To save you. What did you do with the gun? It's in my overcoat pocket. I was going to the police. Oh, you sap. Why didn't you leave the gun there? Make it look like suicide. It was, in a way, wasn't it, Jeannie? I'm Krebs now. Dorrance is dead. You planned it very nicely. Oh, stop. Stop trying to be deep. Doesn't matter what your name is. Either way, you've messed it up. Anybody have a key to your place? No. And we still have time. Time for what? The body! Any intelligent person can get away with murder if he keeps his wits about him. You told Elmer that. Yes, I told Elmer that. You're scared to go back there, aren't you? Do you want me to do it for you? No. No, I'll do it. I must do it. Here. Mustn't forget your overcoat. No. No, I mustn't forget my overcoat. It'll keep me... It'll keep me safe. Goodbye, Jeannie. Two stiffs. Hmm. What a shambles. Looks as if he shot this guy and then bumped himself off. Who are they? I don't know the other one. This is a guy that came into headquarters Saturday. You know, the artist. Huh? Well, there must have been something to his story after all. Uh, here's a note he left. You see. 
Dear Inspector, the portrait I told you about is standing on the easel facing the window so you can see it in the light. James Dorrance. Uh, I guess this must be it here. He said it identified the murderer. Is it a good likeness? Gee, I don't know. You look at it. Ah. Why, it's a woman. Yeah, it's that dame we picked up. The little waitress. Hey, but look, it's it's got men's clothes on. Bloody. And the way he's made the face all twisted and ugly. She was a good-looking kid. Yeah, she was. He must have been cracked. I guess he must have been. A thing like that makes you wonder, don't it? Yeah, a thing like that makes you wonder. The discerning art lover will recognize Doran's painting as more than a mere portrait. It's the human soul stripped naked and its dark and secret, deep and secret places shown in all their morbid brooding fascination. But still one cannot help wondering, what is the name of the beast? Did the woman in the portrait exist, or was she only the creature of the artist's fevered imagination? Our only clue is in a quotation which the artist caused to be printed in the exhibition catalog. And he causeth all to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines. R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Before we hear again from Vincent Price, the star of The Name of the Beast, tonight's suspense play, this is Truman Bradley for Roma Wines with a tip for you men. Every wife loves surprises. Little unexpected deeds that reflect thoughtfulness. So, tomorrow night, boost your stock with her. Solve her problem of how to brighten weekend dining. Add to your own mealtime pleasure, too. Take home a bottle of delicious Roma California Burgundy. One sip will convince you both that red, robust Roma Burgundy is the perfect table mate for stews, spaghetti, or baked beans. For Roma Burgundy brings out hidden flavors, adds rare goodness to every morsel. Yes, gentlemen, Roma Burgundy can make a hero of you on two counts, for being thoughtful and for solving a mealtime problem. And Roma Wine, America's first choice, costs no more than ordinary wines. Remember, for greater dining pleasure tomorrow, take home Roma Burgundy. Insist on Roma, R-O-M-A, Roma Wine, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is Vincent Price. Next Thursday, our friend Keenan Wynne will be your star on Suspense in what sounds like a very exciting play which all takes place on a bus. A bus making a return trip from the state insane asylum. I know you won't want to miss it next Thursday. And now, let me add my voice on behalf of a very great and wonderful cause. The pennies, the dimes, and the dollars that you give when you buy Easter seals 
Give crippled children their chance for happy living. Help a crippled child to walk again. Buy your share of Easter seals tomorrow. Thank you. Vincent Price appeared through courtesy of 20th Century Fox and will soon be seen in their production, Dragonwick. Next Thursday, same time, Roma Wines will bring you Keenan Wynn as star of Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. Produced by William Spear for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's Suspense with the Name of the Beast, starring Vincent Price from April 11, 1946. Also in the cast, Kathy Lewis, Wally Mayer, and Elliot Lewis, sponsored by Roma Wines, as heard over CBS. All of the classic radio shows we present on this series are direct from the master recordings. I have more than 100,000 original radio episodes under license from the owners and estates, and we make them available via digital download or on CD through our Classic Radio Club. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent directly to you each month, along with detailed liner notes and photos of the stars. You'll receive your first 10 classic radio episodes for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts to never miss an episode. I'll have another mystery episode of Suspense, this one starring Glenn Ford, after this short break. Welcome back to the Classic Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. This time, a fast-talking car salesman runs away with another man's wife, and it doesn't end well. Here's Glenn Ford, a star of End of the Road, on Suspense, from February 6, 1947. Yes, Roma wines taste better because only Roma selects from the world's greatest wine reserves for your pleasure. And now, Roma Wines, R-O-M-A, Roma Wines present Suspense. Tonight, Roma Wines bring you Mr. Glenn Ford in The End of the Road, a suspense play produced, edited, and directed for Roma Wines by William Spear. Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills, is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, those better-tasting California wines enjoyed by more Americans than any other wine. For friendly entertaining, for delightful dining. Yes, right now, a glassful would be very pleasant, as Roma Wines bring you Glenn Ford in a remarkable tale of... Suspense! For an automobile salesman, I have expensive habits. I mean dames. It had been dames, dames, dames as long as I could remember. Now, that is strictly murder. Also gets you definitely no place. So this day, well, I was turning over a new leaf. Nothing on my mind but business. Pencil in hand, a sheet of figures on the desk, figuring how to sell a million Excelsior 8s and make a billion dollars. 
Someone tapped on the glass. I didn't even look up. Just the busy executive. Ah, there it was again. I looked up. Am I disturbing you? Was she disturbing me? I got up in a trance and followed her across the showroom floor. It seemed as though I'd never seen anyone walk that way before in all my life. This is my husband, Mr. Ganlon. Mr. Evans, the sales manager. How do you do, sir? <clears throat> all right, so she had a husband. He was a little sourpussed runt with a limpy leg, about twice her age, dressed like dough. The kind of dough that could buy Excelsior H by the dozen. But I wasn't thinking about that now. I was... I was thinking about her. I was thinking the best way to guarantee seeing her again was to send them out that door in an Excelsior 8, so I pasted on the big salesman's smile went to town. Now, this is our customs line, Mr. Ganlon, distinctive in appearance. Uh, I take you'll notice that three-tone color effect inside. Now, it's upholstery there to match, and the broad, graceful, sweeping lines. That's a thing of beauty. What's under that... the hood? Well, that's the question I've been waiting for. Why, the world-famous Excelsior motor, Mr. Gannon. Gann, please, I've never driven in an Excelsior. Perhaps Mr. Evans would take us for a ride. Oh, now look here, Sylvia. Gann, please. Oh, all right. It won't take a minute. Yeah. You try that, that rear seat, Mr. Gannon. You'll find it broad and luxurious. Huh. Now, Mrs. Gannon, if you'd care to sit up here in front. Thank you. You can see what it'll do. Yeah. Uh, you see how it handles, Mr. Gandlin? Like a baby carriage, well, huh? keep your eyes on the road. I turned the corner on two wheels, explained about the minimum sway being on account of the stabilizers. In the mirror, I saw he'd kind of closed his eyes, so I turned to her. I still didn't know if this deal was going to be too easy, but one look at the look in those eyes, and I began to have a rough idea. What do they call you? Which they? Your friends. Speed? How about you? Sylvia? Why the speed, Evans? I like to get places. I like to go places. That's the same thing. Maybe you're right. Maybe we're both right. Maybe, speed. Maybe. If she'd asked for it, I'd have made that Excelsior turn somersaults. As it was, I showed her some driving tricks that'd make your hair stand on end. She loved them. Every once in a while, her eyes met mine and clung there just long enough. We knew, both of us, what I was selling, and it wasn't an Excelsior. Well, I can have the car ready for delivery first thing in the morning, Mr. Ganlon. What do you say? Gan, please. Uh, oh, all right, Sylvia, oh. all right. Now, if you'll just sign the order. I want it now, and I pay cash. Well, that's fine. Fine, Mr. Ganlon. That's fine. I think you'll find the desk in my office uh, the most convenient. Oh, that's your office there? Huh? Yes, that's right, Mr. Ganlon. I'll collect all the necessary papers while you're making out the check. All right, all right. Well, how did you like it? Like what? Hmm? Well, the, the car, for a start. I love it. You'd better drive in for a service check as soon as you can. When? Mm, well, tomorrow. Tomorrow. You suppose you could manage to be alone? Yes. I'll be alone. She came in the next morning. 
and she was alone. Well, from that day, we went places. We went there fast. But this was different. She was different. Different from anything I'd ever known before. And in less than two weeks, I knew I didn't care about husbands or Excelsior 8s or, or even a million dollars. All I cared about was her. And it was the same with her. That is, most of the time. That was what was tearing me up the worst. The way she was the other times. Kind of standoffish, scared. That was screwy. I didn't get it. One day, we were down at the beach, and as usual lately, we were arguing about it. Oh, please, Speed, don't. What's the matter with Reno? we got to do something about it someday, haven't we? Yes, yes. Well, that's what they got Reno for. He'll come after me. I'll let him come. We'll tear up his claim check. Speed, I want to run along the beach. Come on. All right. <laughs> at 33, I'm a little too old for this stuff. Anyway, I want to know... Speed, you've got to learn to relax. I lost my roller skates. I'll get you another pair. I don't need skates. Yes, you do. Uh, all right, Sylvia. Oh. Sylvia, cut out the horseplay, will you, and quit stalling. I want a decision one way or another now. Oh, darling, now you're angry. Sure, I am. I am. It's a screwy deal. You love me, you want to leave him, but you won't. Oh, but I will, darling. I... Speed, you see, there's so many things that are complicated and mixed up. Well, first... There's my father. Well, what about him? Well, you see, my father and Gannon were mining partners in a little town called Phoebe, Arizona, and then... And then there was a cave-in, and my father was killed. Well, he was such a wonderful man. We, we were so terribly close. Oh, that's tough, baby. Huh? Sometimes it's almost as though he were alive. I, I see him in dream speed ever so often. I hear him speak. It was ten years ago. Well, what's all that got to do with you and Gannon? Well, stop it! Stop torturing me! Can't you just leave me alone? Leave me alone! Okay, okay. Hey, if that's what you want. Oh, no, Speed, no, don't leave me. Now, look, baby, I don't know about you, but I'm leaving town tonight. I can't take this any longer. I'm going back now, quit my job, draw my three bucks out of the bank and pack a bag. I'm leaving tonight, with you or without you. Oh, no, Speed, you can't. You can't go without me. Well, that's up to you, baby. But I'm afraid. Of what? I don't know. Well, we'll worry about that, that later. What about it? All right. All right, I'll go. I was to meet her at the usual place at 8 o'clock, and I was on time. But even before I got there, I realized she'd never show up. And I waited an hour, then I crossed the street to the apartment where they lived, the seventh floor. It was 7.07. She must have been hanging around the door because she opened it almost at once, came out into the hall, closed it behind her. She was scared to death. Speed, you've got to go. Right away. Not without you, baby. No, listen... Listen to me, Speed. I, I lied to you this afternoon. No kidding. I mean, about my father. He he wasn't just killed in a cave-in. He was murdered. Ganlon murdered him. Oh, so you married Ganlon to kind of show your appreciation. Yes, I, I mean... Look, you don't make sense, baby. Come on, we're going inside. No, Speed, no! We're going to settle this once and for all now. In the living room, Ganlon was lying on the couch with his shoes off, his feet kind of propped up... And... In a chair opposite was a young punk in a tan overcoat who looked as though he took the wrong kind of nose drops when he needed courage. He let it fairly be known that he was... Well, he had a gun in his pocket. Gallon didn't even look up. Well, Mr. Evans, this is an unexpected pleasure. Well, I'm afraid it's no pleasure. Either way, I've come to tell you that your wife is leaving you with me. Oh, is she? Yeah. What about it, Sylvia? I don't... You don't seem to have entirely convinced her, Mr. Evans. Listen, I don't know exactly what, what goes on here. Obviously. I, but I do know that she's headed straight for a crack-up and that you're at the bottom of it. So she's leaving tonight. Go on, Sylvia, get your things. 
All right. Mr. Evans, I'm not sure you fully appreciate the penalties of stealing a man's wife. Now, there's divorce courts to handle that. Besides other ways, if you're big enough. Well, since you've brought up the question of superior force... All right, Zeke, take it. Okay. Put him up. Hi, funny face. Oh, gunsels with guns you have, huh? Sometimes they come in handy, Mr. Evans. Come on. Right. Start walking. Any particular direction? Yeah. Outside. All right. You win, Mr. Ganlon. Take him out and kick him down the stairs, Zeke. Kick him. The punk was plenty shaky. He had the gun jammed right into my back. <laughs> That's not smart if your guy knows a little judo. I made a quick half turn. He fired, but not soon enough. Ah! I'd have broken his arm before I could try again. The gun scooted across the floor somewhere, and I was just thinking it was lucky to, they soundproof these fancy apartments. And the thing started going off again. I whirled around to see Sylvia with a gun in her hand, stalking Gannon like a tigress. He was cowering behind the furniture, and she was moving around trying to get a clear shot at him. It took me one good leap to get over there and knock her cold. It was a bowl of water, some flowers on the table. I threw the flowers on the floor, threw the water on Sylvia. She opened her eyes, looked around. Oh, oh, Speed. Why did you do it? You're lucky, baby. When you get better at it, they're liable to call it murder. Suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you Glenn Ford in End of the Road. Roma Wines' presentation tonight in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Between the acts of Suspense, this is Ken Niles for Roma Wines. Whenever you want dinner to be outstanding, whenever the occasion calls for the magic touch that changes a meal into gracious, satisfying dining, Enrich your table with a delicious Roma California wine. With tender, juicy steak or oven brown roast, enjoy the tantalizing taste harmonies of red, robust Roma Burgundy. Or bring out the exquisite hidden flavors in fish or fowl with pale gold, delicate Roma Sauterne. And remember, all Roma wines taste better because Roma begins with choicest grapes. Then, with unmatched skill and resources, Roma guides these naturally finer grapes unhurriedly to tempting taste perfection. Later, Roma places this luscious grape treasure with Roma wines of years before. And finally, Roma selects from the world's greatest wine reserves for your pleasure. With your dinner tomorrow, enjoy better-tasting Roma wines. That's R-O-M-A. Roma, the greatest name in wine. And now, Roma Wines bring back to our Hollywood soundstage Glenn Ford as Speed Evans, with Kathy Lewis as Sylvia Ganlon in End of the Road, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. After the gunplay, I thought it would be easy. When I tried to get her down into the car, she clawed me like a wildcat. I, I had to clip her again. It was a battle all the way across town. Until we got to barreling along Highway 99, she knew she'd break her neck if she tried to jump. And all of a sudden, she, she went to sleep. I looked at her over there, sleeping in the corner, rolled up like a kitten and as innocent as a baby, and I knew I was, I was for it if it killed me. I'd just have to do the, well, I'd have to do the best I could. 
We'd passed Bakersfield. I was headed up over the Tehachapi Mountains before she woke up. It was morning. Oh. Oh. Hello, darling. Feeling better, baby? Uh-huh. Oh, I had such a wonderful dream. I was... I was a little girl again. And I was with my father, and... And he was rowing across a, a lake. And, and then... Then what? Speed, I... I lied to you about Ganlin. He didn't kill my father. I was wicked to say that, wasn't I? Ah, you're just a little mixed up, that's all. Uh, Speed? Mm, yeah? Where are we going? We're going to your hometown, baby. Phoebe, Arizona. Oh. You like the idea? Well, I suppose so. Why? Now, look, baby, I'm no psychiatrist, but something happened back there when you were a kid. Something to do with the death of your father. It's had you on a merry-go-round ever since, so much so that about nine, nine hours ago, you tried to kill a man. I said I was sorry about that, Speed. Sure. If you and I are going to make a go of this, I think we ought to do something a little more practical about it than just feel sorry, don't you? You make it sound as though you thought I was going to go around killing people for the rest of my life. All I say is that you're not going to be very happy until we know the facts about this thing, whatever they are, until you've faced the facts. From then on, oh, we can forget it. Speed? Yeah? I'm terribly hungry, aren't you? <sighs> yeah, I guess I could do with a little something. Look, there's a place up ahead. Hmm? Oh, okay. Bus just pulled in. Yes, one of the regular stops. Speed. Kiss me. Hmm. How's that? Oh. That's wonderful. Uh, let's go. Huh? <coughs> My, what a lot of people. Oh, those big buses hold a lot of people, baby. Help! Help! I'm being kidnapped! Come here. Help me! It's all right. It's all right. She's my no. wife. What's going on here? I'm not. And I've never seen her before in my life. I'm being kidnapped. Oh. Oh. Hey, say, that's no way to treat even your wife, Mr. Oh. Yardley. All right, all right. If you must know, she's, she's crazy. What? She's my wife, but she's hopelessly insane. I don't... About five minutes later, she snapped out of it. You'd think nothing at all had happened, but I wasn't taking any more chances. I took to the side roads whenever I could, figuring the cops might be on my tail any minute, so we didn't cross the state line until way after midnight. It was next morning when I kicked it out of gear in Phoebe, Arizona. There was only one hotel. We registered, adjoining rooms. All the time, I was watching her like a hawk. But I needn't have. No, now that we were there, she seemed to be glad. We'd been in our room in about five minutes when the phone rang. Hello? Mr. Evans? Yeah? Just a moment, Mr. Evans. Mr. Evans, this is San Francisco, Operator 23. We've got a long-distance call for you. San Francisco? Yes, sir. We've been trying to reach you all night. Shall I put your party on now? Yeah, all right, yeah, go ahead. Hello, Evans? Yeah? This is Ganlon. You must have a good private eye on your payroll, too, huh? I know you're an intelligent man, Evans, whatever else you may be. I knew where you'd go. But I want to tell you something. You're getting in deep water, deeper than you know anything about. And you hope I'll drown. All right. Maybe I will. 
but I'm still wading in. I'm coming down there, Evans. In the meantime, keep quiet and keep her quiet. And keep your nose out of things. What's that supposed to be, a threat? I'm not threatening you, I'm telling you. For your own good. It was Gallon, wasn't it? Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he called to give us his blessing. He's coming down too, isn't he? Maybe. Speed, I'm glad. You can't know how glad I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be real cozy, just the three of us. You've been cruel to me, Speed. Who, me? I've forgiven you, though you know that. <laughs> sure, baby. I didn't understand at first, but I understand now why you brought me here, I mean. You're going to find proof that Gan killed my father. I'll work on that. I can tell you exactly how it happened. You said yesterday you were lying. Oh, don't try to... Try to confuse me, Speed. You want to know her, don't you? Sure, I... Let's have it. Well, my father and Gan were tunneling a new shaft in the side of the mountain. They were working alone that day. They'd set a dynamite charge inside the shaft with wires out to the ignition box. The box worked with a plunger, but when my father pushed it down, the dynamite didn't go off. He went back inside to find the trouble. While he was in there, Gan pushed down the plunger again. My father was blown to bits. Just like that, huh? Don't you believe me? Like I say, I'll work on it. They'll hang him, won't they? Hang who? Ganlon, they'll hang him when you find the proof. If he's guilty, they'll hang him. Oh, you'll prove it, darling. Promise me you will, so they can arrest him when he arrives. You'll, you'll do it for your baby, I know. Kiss me, darling. How's that? Oh, that's wonderful. That's all I care about. That and seeing Ganlon hanged. She went to sleep then, just as peaceful as you please, dreaming of Ganlon with a rope around his neck. <laughs> well, I found the thing they call the city hall, asked to see the records of her old man's death. Well, they hemmed, they hawed some, and then, well, it came out that half the town had burned down a few years back. The records went up with it. Well, he finally suggested I see an old-timer named, I think it was Konsky. He'd been her father's mind foreman at one time or another. Well, I did. He was already waiting for me. He seemed to know what I was after. He was all primed with the answers. Sure, I know, Sylvia. Sweetest, poorest little kid I ever see all my life. And, of course, you knew her father. <laughs> sure, I know. I guess Sylvia must have been pretty fond of him. <laughs> sure, she was crazy about him. Wasn't she? Maybe. But if she was, she was the only one in this town wasn't glad to see him die. Look, uh, look, you don't have to be cagey with me. I'm trying to help Sylvia. All right. You know what best thing you can do? What? Get out of town before you make plenty of trouble. Well, that was that. The next stop was the office of the weekly paper owned, published, printed, and peddled by one guy, a guy named McLean. He seemed to know all about my business, too. He had the files all laid out for me. Look, why don't you lay off it, Evans, huh? It's ten years old and dead and buried. Now look, you mind if I look at your files? Yeah, sure, sure, go ahead. You can see what it says. Mind disaster, premature explosion, accidental death. Mm. Any chance it wasn't accidental? What do you mean? Any chance that Gallon did it? No, not a chance. You seem pretty sure. Did you ever notice that uh, gimpy leg of his? Yeah. Well, that's how he got it. He was in the mine when it happened. I was getting no place fast, only a suspicion and not a very comfortable one. 
and I hadn't the faintest idea where to go from here. And then I thought of the doctor. Hey, there had to be a doctor sign the death certificate. I found out who it was, dug him up. Well, he looked like the worst bet of the bunch. He was half wacky from the effects of age and a misspent life. Nothing left but his dignity and a collection of photographs. He insisted on talking about till I wanted to smack him. Yes, yes, it was my hobby before my eyes went back on me. But, well, those you see on the wall are only a few. Uh, here, here, take a look at some of these. Who are all you people covering up for, Doc? Hmm? I beg your pardon? You heard me. Young man, do you realize that what you just said constitutes the most serious slur on my professional reputation? Oh, nuts. Look, I'm trying to help a girl that I'm in love with. Can't anybody understand uh, that? Here, here, take this one, for instance. Uh, notice the contrast, the light and the shadow. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't suppose you understand the meaning of the term traumatic experience, huh? No, I thought not. The psychic structure of the personality is a very delicate mechanism. Uh, for instance, in the case of... Sylvia, take her to a competent man in the field, Mr. Evans. I no longer handle such cases. Look, that's not what I came here to you for. You know that. Well, I'm afraid I can't help you retire some time ago, you see. Uh, here, now, look at some of these. Uh, they're older, of course, but there's still some very good ones among them. Look, Doc, I don't want to look at pictures. All I want is... Uh, oh. I found one you like, eh? I knew you'd find one. There's a date on it, July 14th, 1935. That mean anything to you? Uh, is that the stalagmite encrustation? If so, it's I don't one know. Of... I, I, I don't know. It's just got some rocks in it and a hole in a mountain. But that date is the date that Sylvia's father was killed. Give it to me. Give it to me at once. No, 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 no you don't. Yeah, I'm afraid you've kind of torn it, Doc. Give it back to me, I but say. But the part I got is still enough to show who killed him. I started back for the hotel, but I didn't feel so good. I didn't feel good at all. I asked at the desk if Ganlon had arrived. He hadn't, so I went on up to Sylvia's room. She was sitting at the dressing table making up her face. She looked up at me in the mirror. You know. I can tell by your eyes you know. Yes, baby, I know. Then they'll hang him, won't they? No, Ganlon? No. No, baby, he's in the clear. He isn't. He can't be. He murdered my father. I know he did. You're just lying to me. You're trying... Look, take it easy, baby. It's going to be all right. Just let's... Let's get it over with, huh? And we can forget it. Get what over with? You're acting so funny, darling. Mm. Yeah. Take a look at this picture. Hmm? Yeah. Oh, that's me, isn't it? When I was a little girl. I'm awfully far away, but... I still know it's me. But the smoke... Don't you remember? Please, speed. My, my, my head kind of hurts. Don't... I'll try to remember. Speed, you're tormenting me. You're trying to hurt me. That smoke is the explosion, isn't it? I don't know. You pushed the plunger, know. remember? I don't While know. While your father was inside the shaft, remember? Know. Yes. I killed him. All right, baby, that's... Yeah. That's all there is to it. You can forget. I hated him. It's all I lived for. It's all I ever dreamed of, to see his face bloody and battered. See his body all mangled and dirty. I hated him. I hate you. I hate all men. If I could kill every man in the world. Where did you get that gun, baby? Out of your overcoat. You, uh, you'd better put it down. 
I tried to kill Gannon because he knew. Now you know. Put it down. It's too late now, Speed. Goodbye, darling. Listen, listen, it's all over now. You were only a kid. I know how he treated you. The whole town covered up for you. They're still covering. Goodbye, Speed. When the door flew open, I ducked and the shots came. I looked around. Gamlin was lying in the open door with a gun still in his hand. He, he walked right into it. He must have got in one shot, though. It was enough. She was still breathing when I got to her. That, that was about all. Oh. Oh. It's all right now. Isn't it, darling? Sure. Sure, baby. Everything is going to be all right. Kiss me. How's that? Oh, that's wonderful. But I wasn't so lucky this time, was I? Not... Not too lucky. I didn't miss. No, baby, you didn't miss. Well, any time you want to buy a, an Excelsior 8, you just come in and see old Speed Evans. <laughs> no, I won't tell you about my troubles. Dames, that's my trouble. It's been dames, dames, dames as long as I can remember. Ah, it's too bad, though. We'd have probably had a couple of kids by now. Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines. R-O-M-A. Roma, America's favorite wine. This is Ken Niles returning to our suspense microphone with the brilliant star of tonight's play, Glenn Ford. Glenn, you did a magnificent job. Believe me, I want a recording of your performance for my own personal library of suspense records. Well, thanks, Ken. Are you a record fan, too? <laughs> Mrs. Ford and I can't resist a good hot platter. And speaking of platters, Glenn, isn't Mrs. F. likely to serve you a nice sizzling platter garnished with a thick, juicy steak some nights? Oh, she better can. <laughs> well, good, because I have a little gift for you that'll make any steak taste better. Better. Oh, well, suspense me no further, Ken. What's the secret? Well, your gift, Glenn, is a basket of Roma California wines presented by Roma, America's greatest vintner. In that basket is a bottle of red, robust Roma Burgundy, the perfect taste companion for tender steaks, a brace of broiled chops, or any red meat. Better-tasting Roma Burgundy brings out all the natural hidden flavors in hearty foods, adds pleasure to every bite. Roma Burgundy, huh? Well, I'll remember that, Ken. And remember, too, that all Roma wines taste better because Roma starts with choicest grapes, guides them unhurriedly to tempting taste perfection with skill and resources unmatched in America. Then Roma places this luscious grape treasure with Roma wines of years before to await selection from the world's greatest wine reserves for your pleasure. That's why more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wine. Well, I can't think of a, of a better endorsement. <laughs> Thank you, and good night. Glenn Ford appeared through the courtesy of Columbia Pictures and is soon to be seen starring in the Columbia Picture Framed. Tonight's suspense play was adapted by Irving Moore and Robert Richards from a story by Irving Moore. Next Thursday, same time, you will hear Agnes Moorhead as star of Suspense.
Produced and directed by William Spear for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Suspense with End of the Road, starring Glenn Ford from February 6, 1947. Also in the cast, Kathy Lewis, Hans Conried, William Johnstone, and Wally Mayer, sponsored by Roma Wines, as heard over CBS. Stick around, I'll give you our lineup for episode 96 of the Classic Radio Theater after this short break. Next time on episode 96 of the Classic Radio Theater, brought to you by the Bradford Exchange, it's two amateur detective episodes of Casey Crime Photographer from 1947, so don't miss it. To reach me and to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, visit ClassicRadioClub.com. Be sure to tune into our next show and make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts to never miss an episode. Thanks for listening.